coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Hello there, Jay. Hello. You know, I'm insulted this, this morning. You're insulted? You come in here early we're, morning. We're starting off in a bad mood. In the palatial Eon Project Studios, and the first thing you say to me is, you look puffy. It's your face. The hell does that mean? Your face looks puffy to Wh- me. Why? I don't know. That's, I just made an observation. You know, it could be the mask that I wear. I wear a mask to sleep. Is it like a William Shatner mask? Or? No, no. It's like Bill, oh. Bill Clinton. My wife likes Bill. Oh. And uh, no, no. It's a like it's one of those this... rubberized masks. Yeah, I might have a latex allergy, perhaps. <laughs> it's a gimp mask. You know, just got to make sure that your zipper is open on the mouth mouth part. Oh. So that you can breathe easier. Yeah, yeah. I usually do because I put the ball in there. You don't want to suffocate. It's easy to suffocate during a, a, a night of BDSM play. Oh, what does that mean? Uh, bondage, domination, sadomasochism. Is that what that means? Oh, yeah. I always wondered that. You didn't know what that meant? What'd you think it was? Uh, bright d- drinks <laughs> smell well, much. It's been a couple of weeks since our last show. Oh, been a few. You know what we are? We're, we're not a... We, we work hard every day. Well, not every day. Mm-hmm. We work hard... So, well, we don't work hard very often. No. We do stuff sometimes to bring... Happiness and joy to your lives, but it's not on a regular schedule. No, but and here's the problem. You know, there's uh, we're we're, we're we are men of culture, as we've said before, mm-hmm. and so we're constantly uh, expanding our horizons in different areas, attending uh, gala events, events, um, art, art dealings. It's funny you mention that auctions. I'm, I'm in a uh, <laughs> I, I've started taking oil painting classes. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it like are you painting nudes? Do you yes. Need, do you need a model? It focuses I would love to on do the male nude. Mm. Uh and we use uh, extra slippery oils. You're gonna need a you're gonna need a really long canvas mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're you're culturing yourself. What do you think of tripods? You like a tripod? You know, uh, like to put a camera on. Oh and sure, stuff? sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant something else. You can uh, manipulate the camera from a distance. Well, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, going forward, we're gonna start videotaping. Video? Did, nobody says that anymore, do they? Do they say videotaping it anymore? It's not taping, is it? You're not no, taping I don't know. Anything. I don't know what they call they, uh, a recording. Record, record. We're gonna start recording, video recording our show, mm-hmm. and then maybe put it on YouTube, uh, and uh, because people desperately want to see our visages and uh, see what we do during the right. uh, during the show. And it's gonna be uh, there's gonna be a cosplay twist to it. Yep. Sometimes it'll be will be anime. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll be super superheroes and villains. Who's your favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Yeah. Like, if, you uh, had to, if you had to beat, like you had to turn into a superhero today, mm, who would you want to be? Uh, Twizzler Man. No, you, not one made up. You're gonna, <laughs> like one that's in existence. Oh, oh man. I, I mean, I really never really thought. Oh, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I, I, I haven't. Never you really know who I would that. be? No, Harley Quinn. Ooh. Because I would like, I would like to look at myself in the mirror doing things. And you could, uh, you could manipulate your own yes. bosoms and not get yes, in trouble and not be in trouble. Mm. So that's if if I had a wish, it would be be Harley Quinn. But then you know, you probably wouldn't like yourself all that much. No, maybe I would. Okay. Anyway, so let's tease the topic. Uh, tease, we're going to tease it like like we did in the eighties. Tease the hair. Tease it to the max. So today we're going to take a slight departure from what we normally talk about. We normally talk about kind of dark subjects. Um, you know, the unexplained and mm. murders and paranormal events and demons and things of that sort. Right. Today, we are not going to do that. We're going to discuss something more lighthearted. Ooh. Today, we're going to talk about strange things in history that people did for fun and leisure. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about, you know, go throughout the history uh, to see what people did for fun uh, and compare it to what we do today. Kind of like BDSM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People used to do that for fun, too. They called it different things. 
So we're going to talk about that later. But before we get to that, I wanted I wanted to bro- broach a subject with you. Okay. We have not discussed this ahead of time. You ever wear a brooch? Isn't it like a like a medallion? It's like a thing you wear on your neck. No, I don't have a brooch. No. You should wear one. You should just, that should be your signature. Uh, I might start doing article that. of clothing. I bet Phyllis Diller wears a brooch. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from. So I wanted to ask you. So we just uh, y- yesterday was Halloween. Just to give you a little bit of frame of reference, we're recording this on All Souls Day. That's right, November the first. I've done. I did a little too much trick or treating last night. That's probably why I'm puffy. Oh, what did you do? Wait, what kind of events did you partake in? Um, uh, public drunkenness. Oh, basically. Did you walk around with a flask while your kids were uh, trick or treating? I walked around with. I had a jacket. So I didn't really need a jacket because it was warm. No, it was a warm evening. But I needed a jacket with tons of pockets to put <laughs> random beers in. And as I'm walking around the neighborhood. See, it would be more efficient for you to take around liquor so that you could, you don't have to bring as much. So my my gift to everyone along the trick-or-treating route mm-hmm. was to leave my empty beer cans in their mailboxes. <laughs> so when they go out today, they will find them. <laughs> Hopefully they're not fingerprint analysis experts. And uh, what I was... You're apprehended quickly. The only problem is, is that as you go, go through the route and you're drinking beer, you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Did you really put them in people's mailboxes? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> so you have to find random wooded areas to, uh, oh, to, and to eliminate yourself. So hopefully you weren't wearing like bright clothing. No, so you, it was all black. Okay, so you could disappear. Blacked out. Maybe peep in a window or two. And I had my Bill Clinton mask on. Hmm. Anyway, so I wanted to ask you, being Halloween and everything, what do you think of the recent phenomena of extreme haunted houses? Now, let me give you a little bit of frame of reference when mm-hmm. I say that. So we all know what the you know the, the haunted attraction, haunted house uh, culture probably started maybe 20, 30 years ago. Um, it, it, you know, these little haunted houses would pop up around Halloween. It, they were generally harmless. Uh, the, you know, you'd walk through and there'd be some kind of scary things. People with store-bought masks and stuff. Right, and right. You'd walk through and you'd be scared and you'd leave. Over the years, it's kind of evolved into more of a, a corporate, um, corporate-backed, uh, where there's million-dollar haunted houses that have insane special effects and pneumatic equipment mm-hmm. and all these things. Um, but that's not even enough for the for the uh, for the thrill seeker. So today they have these things called extreme haunted houses, uh, or or regular haunted houses that have extreme nights. When you go and the actors can physically touch you, uh, push you around, abuse you, kinda, and um, generally make your life suck for just a few minutes. And and people pay a lot. They pay a lot of a lot of money for that. Do you have they, to sign a waiver? When as you a go matter of fact, you do. And I actually have a little bit of experience. I did work at one of these, uh, mm-hmm. and and I'm not going to do it again. And here's why. So yes, you go into uh, when you go into one of these haunted extreme haunted nights, you have to sign a waiver that says I promise not to sue the people. I understand that they're going to touch me and all this stuff. And then actually, the one that I worked at, there was a police officer there mm-hmm. uh, at the front, and he w- he would verbally admonish everyone that went in. You cannot press charges against anyone in here for what happens, <laughs> which is pretty scary when you think about it. Yeah, because who the hell are these people in there that are actors? Uh, I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, there's not a lot of screening that goes on when uh, when you try to work at a haunted house. Uh, there's not really an interview process mm-hmm. for most of them. I've, I've worked in a few. Uh, and what you do is you basically, um, you, they basically hire anybody who's willing to work those nights. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's kind of a crapshoot as to who you get in there. So here's a question for you. So if you're an actor in one of these places, yeah. do you... I mean, you have to anticipate possibly getting punched in the face. Too. Yeah, I mean, as an as a haunt actor, you know that if you get too close. I mean, I've been I I've acted in haunted houses for probably fifteen years. I've never been punched in the face, and that's because I don't get that close enough to people. I mean, you you do get close to people, but you know you can kind of judge someone's behavior before you you, you size them up real quick before mm-hmm. you scare them. 
but yeah, I mean, and, and it's not always their fault. Sometimes people, you know, it's an, it's an automatic nervous reaction mm-hmm. that you put your hands up. Sometimes they they just swing at you. I, I've been swung at, but I've never been hit, which is good. But no, the point of me explaining all this is some of these people who work in the haunted house industry on extreme nights are only there because they like to abuse people. And you can see it in their face. Uh, and I witnessed it firsthand. These people that, um, you know, that that's what they want to do. They want to grab people and, and move and move them around and abuse them and stuff. And that, to me, that's weird. Right. That's just a, that's a that's a deviant person. So once you have once you know that that's in there, I wouldn't want my kids or my wife to go in there. Would you? Uh, no. And, and you know what, though? Like, I think it, it I think it adds to the uh, just to psychoanalyze the, the person that works in these mm-hmm. these places. They themselves enjoy seeing the reaction of people. Well, scaring people is and fun. You get off on it. Scaring people is fun. I don't get off on it. Scaring people is fun, but like hurting people is not. And if you get somebody who thinks hurting people is fun, then they probably shouldn't be interacting with the public. Right. You know, because who who knows what they're doing? There's no controls in there. You know, no one's watching to make sure that they're that they're not doing something inappropriate. Right. I don't know. The whole thing is skeevy to me. And uh, I'm not a big fan of the extreme nights. And, it, and then what kind of person pays 40 or $50 to go in and get abused? What, 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 well, why would you want to do that? You know, it's just the, uh, you know, it's why, why people go see horror movies. You know what I mean? It's just a natural yeah, that's different. fear reaction. People enjoy <laughs> You enjoy watch a scary sort of movie, it's fine. You pay $50 to have somebody groping you. Well, I do that. But that's different it's for different reasons. You know, I went back and watched The uh, the Exorcist again. I saw The Exorcist again recently, too. It's still creepy as Very, hell. yes. Very creepy. Very, very creepy. And, you know, very blasphemous, too. Ooh, very. There was parts that were edited out. And if you get if you get to see an unedited version, there's, mm. there's a lot of them. There's a part with a crucifix. Yes, not, yes. Not good. Not good. All right, you want to get into the topic? Why? You don't like the, this? Uh... Well, I don't want to keep people, uh, you know, stringed along for too long. Does that make sense? Stringed along for too long? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I like to think that people tune in because they like to hear us talking. On time, all the time. Yeah, so th- we're going to talk about what weird things people did in history... Uh, to have fun. Mm. So do you have a time frame on yours? I do. Okay. So I'm going to talk about early history, uh, and then you're going to talk about later history. Right. That's basically it in a nutshell. So let me go first. So throughout history, mankind has sought to escape the serious nature of our everyday routines in order to enjoy some well-deserved leisure time. Is it leisure or leisure? It's leisure. Leisure time. As the millennia have passed, we as a species have evolved, and so have our leisure and fun habits. So today we're going to talk about some of the weirder pastimes and leisure activities that people have engaged in throughout history. So when humans first began congregating in clusters and forming small societies, there wasn't much opportunity for fun and leisure. Most of their time was spent hunting, gathering, uh, painting cool rock paintings, mm-hmm. conversing with ancient aliens, and uh, most likely running away from things like large predators. Uh, while they weren't the most fun-loving folks, the fact that early humans had to be so mobile to avoid being eaten and whatnot, this actually paved the way for some modern-day leisure activities. One in specific that I'm going to talk about, and that's running. Do you enjoy running? Uh, I've never enjoyed running. Me neither. Um, and I've was there were times in my life where I was forced to do it. Well, you know, as, as as most of our listeners know, we both served in the United States Marine Corps, which is their uh, favorite hobby is running mm. for some reason. So we did a lot of running. Uh, but many people think that human beings were not meant to run uh, skeletally and physically. That the, that the human body was not built for running, and that's actually simply not true. Mm-hmm. Human beings are actually well equipped physically to endure not only short sprinting to escape danger but are also naturally adept at running long distances, which early man did to relocate in search of food and delicious wild berries and uh, all sorts of fun little nuts and nuts things. And things. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's how human beings spread around the, gro- the globe was running. So, And I'm not going to get into the physiological nature of it, but I did some reading, and the human body is built to run. 
It's designed to run, mm-hmm. uh, and as as many you probably have seen the the recent resurgence in the last several years of barefoot running, because shoes are actually counter counterintuitive to running. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans are more um, efficient running barefoot. I don't like to have bare feet ever. No, I know that you don't like bare feet, especially in public. No, uh, would you run barefoot through the streets? No, no, they, but you know what? The, like the Kenyan guys, you know, Kenyans are good runners for yeah, some yeah. reason, and they run on you know. Not paved roads, uh, so they run on the ground, like the uh, the dirt and the grass and stuff like that. You know what I even do when I go to like uh, public uh, like pools, like at, I was like, gonna say, what about like when you go to like a stuff? water park? Or no, no, a... I wear shoes. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No. I wear a, a specially designed water sneaker. You know that, who does uh, that? To- toddlers. No, no, no. Why are you wearing water I, sneakers? No, they're, they're adult sized. Why would you do that? I don't want things on my feet. What are you talking about? I don't like things. You can't t- go in a pool? No. Why can't you go in a pool without shoes? You ever see people's feet walking around what the pool? What the hell is wrong with you? The skirting of the pool? There's the people's skirting feet. of the pool. The wet tile on your feet. You can't get all kinds of bacteria no, things you, on I it. I can't believe you walk around with shoes on like you're a little baby. Yes, yes. Oh, Just my swim trunks and some shoes. That's it. Shoes. What about when you go in a lake? I, I wear shoes. That, I you're, you're an avid boater. I wear lake shoes. So you, you, wear, <laughs> you wear lake shoes? Yes. <laughs> You can't go into a body of water without something on you protecting your feet. Why not? You, what do you think is going to happen? You walk around all day long with shoes on, don't you? Why wouldn't yeah. you wear them in the water? Because I'm walking around on pavement and rocks and de- debris. Yes, and if you go in the lake, there's rocks and dirt and no. slimy things and all kinds of stuff. You got some problems, dude. Well, do you wear shoes to bed? Uh, do you wear socks to bed? I wear shoes in the shower. No, you don't. No, I don't. I'm I was going to say in your own home. <laughs> that would be bad. All right, not, we're not going to go that far. Anyway, so that... Ancient man didn't didn't have a lot of fun things to do, so they did a lot, did a lot of running. Let's move forward, shall we? Let's move. Let's talk about the Egyptians for a moment. You like the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians? I enjoy Egypt. They did a lot of things. Person. I used to be a, a fun. Used to be fun to uh, you know do some research on the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. They they were into a lot of cool stuff. But here's a fun fact for you that you probably didn't know: both boys and girls went naked from the time they were born until the age of puberty. Mm. So that probably made running around a lot more awkward, especially for those ancient Egyptians who maybe developed a little earlier than most. You know, appendages mm-hmm. and things flapping about in the breeze as they ran. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that in our culture today? Boys and girls, yep. uh, up until, when's puberty? Like 13, 14, yeah. uh, 12? You know, and nowadays, uh, twelve. the young ladies are developing much earlier. So, okay, so little girls and boys from... <laughs> 10 to 11 years old wandering around naked. No, no, not, not, not cool. That doesn't sound like that would be good at all. Egyptians were big into board games, and depictions of them playing these games date back to 2500 BC, although the rules for the games have never been adequately explained. Who needs rules? You play, do, you, do, you watch, do you look at the rules when you play board games? Actually, you know, I just, I just bought a board game recently, uh, The Game of Life. Do you remember that game? I love the game. Well, my son, my son loves The Game of Life. He, we, he, we play it. So yeah. we, uh, we played it. Uh, I bought it for my children and mm-hmm. myself, and we had fun, and I drank whiskey while we played and I, I had a to pattern with you. I had to read the instructions because it's complicated. Why do you have to read the instructions? You don't know how to play life. You don't remember what do you, that one. Well, you can't just start playing. Well, if you let don't me know ask you this: it. You play Monopoly, right? Uh, yeah. Do you read the rules? Well, no, because I've already learned already how to know? play. It. Okay. Well, if you know the rules so well, do you do uh, uh, free money for free parking? Do you put money in the in the middle for free parking? You have to. No, that's actually against the rules. What's against the rules? You don't put money in there. Free parking is nothing. It's like free space. You're not supposed to get any money for it. Oh, I never heard of that. That's because you didn't read the freaking rules. You told me not to. Anyway. Sports are also big in ancient Egypt with a normal array of sports like boxing, javelin, field hockey type thingies, and whatnot. But what I found was interesting was amongst Egyptian men, especially those in the higher classes, they enjoyed watching women's sports such as gymnastics and 
rowing of all things. Here we have an account from the Westcar Papyrus, dated to the Second Intermediate Period, which would have been 1782 to 1570 BCE, which we all know means before the Common Era. Uh, here's the story of Senefru and the Green Jewel. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. In this tale, the king is feeling despondent, and his chief scribe suggests that he go boating on the lake, saying, quote, Equip yourself a boat with all the beauties who are in your palace chamber. The heart of your majesty shall be refreshed at the sight of their rowing as they row up and down. What do you think of that? Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. The king does as suggested and commands that 20 women, the most beautiful in form, with firm breasts and hair well braided, be brought forth. And spending the afternoon with them, the heart of his majesty was pleased at the sight of their rowing. It's good to be the king. Ooh, What do you think of that? I like the breast part. Yeah? Well, you know, if you could go, I will pick the 20 most beautiful women with the firm braided breasts and uh, <laughs> How do you put, braid breasts? put them on my boat <laughs> and have them row. <laughs> you know, pharaohs could row get, for my pleasure. Pharaoh, pharaohs could get away with anything, <laughs> they I think. They could really do whatever they wanted. Huh? <laughs> All right. So that's a, that's it on the Egyptians. They had some fun stuff to do. You know what's funny? I have a, I have an Egyptian-related one, too, that I'm going to get to later. Oh, okay. Let's move forward to the Greeks. You like the Greeks? Fast forward to the Greeks. Fast forward to those Greeks. I'm not going to get too far into the Greeks because it's been done to death. Everybody knows that the Greeks invented the Olympics. But one fun, strange thing that I did find was the a strange Olympic event that did not survive to the present day. I'm going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. It was called the Hoplita Dromos. Oh. In which a bunch of dudes put on all the armor that they could possibly hold and took off running in a big mass of flailing arms, tripping people, and probably pretty cool things flying off from people. And they would run to see who could win the race to the other. So it was a it was line. a it was a, a a combative road race. Yes, a combative okay. road race. In another version of the same thing, uh, this was actually cooler. They would they would do the same thing. They would get all the armor on and they would jump on horses. But halfway through the race, all the men would jump off the horses and then they would race the horses to the finish line, mm-hmm. wearing all their armor. Mm. I bet you some people got jacked up during this event. That sounds like it. <laughs> Imagine putting on all that, that heavy armor and going running. Sounds dangerous. Probably wouldn't make it that far. You know what's a, a phenomenon that has that uh, taken over the country recently? Uh, and there's a, there's a bunch of them out there. It's these Spartan race things. Oh, yeah, Spartan race. Yeah. Can't stand it. Hmm. Can't stand it. Why? Uh, people, uh, people try to better themselves. No, 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 no. No, no they're it's, not doing that? No, because I, I hate to get into this, you know. <laughs> I don't think you do. But uh, so they, they pay this money. They yep. run these... Ridiculous races, Obstacle and somehow they and think that there's some sort of uh, elite, War, a tier now. one operator. Yes, they are. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, no, I mean, we got forced to do it back yeah. in the day. We were forced to do these things. Sure. It's not something you do for fun. No, I hated obstacle courses. Oh, they were awful. Every one of them. And you know what? Some of them you run and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> oh. but, but we didn't do it for fun. Like you said, we were kind of forced to do it. Mm. Um, but that's part of, you know... Of anything, you know, sometimes, especially when it comes to military things, people pay a lot of money to do what you got to do and got paid to do. They could have just joined for free. Yeah, they could join for free and get to do it, like, as part of your job. Mm. But no, a anyway. lot of people are not hard enough to do that. So we're going to move forward. Fast forward from the Greeks now. Oh, how far are we going now? We're going to go to the Middle Ages. Ooh. You like the Middle Ages? I like the Middle Ages. I too. love the Middle Ages. Yes, I love all talk like this. <laughs> In the Middle Ages, it seemed like what kind of fun you had depended largely on your social status, which, you know, that's kind of true of every period of history. While the rich folk held banquets, tournaments, and partied all night, the common folk really had more important things to worry about, like dying of the plague or starving to death, things like that, Uh kind of important things. But still, they made time for for some fun activities, including festivals and a lot of drinking. They spent a lot of time drunk, 
in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. One of the fun activities that drunk peasants came up with was something called village ball. <laughs> Here we go. There was no field, and the number of players was basically whoever showed up, which could mean hundreds of people on, on each side at mm-hmm. one time. Whole towns would take place, uh, would take part. And the goal was to kick the ball, which was really a blown-up pig's bladder, uh-huh. to the other village's church before they could get it to yours. So this meant that the goals could be miles apart. Mm-hmm. So this, there wasn't any rules, other rules than that. You just got to get the ball, you got to get the pig's bladder from your church to the other church. Okay. And that meant, and there was no rules. And violence was absolutely part and parcel to the game. Injuries and even deaths were expected. So you could carry a stick <laughs> you could hit, whilst like, kicking the bladder hit around. Hit the other people. Mm-hmm. Village ball sounds like a, a lot of fun mm. for drunken peasants. They hadn't had much else to do. What was that game that we used to play? I think it was a Nintendo game, maybe, where you... Uh, Drunken Peasant Village Ball? Yeah, yeah. We, you, you're, uh, you're riding a bike, I think, or a motorcycle, and you get to whack the other person with a stick? Road Rage. Is that what it was? Road Rash. Road Rage. Road Rash? Something like that. Oh. Yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Also middle-aged fun. Here's one for you. It's <laughs> this is for really poor people. It's called the stick-pulling game. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. This was a common hobby in Europe during the, uh, uh, the Middle Ages, and there's two variants of the stick-pulling game. Basically, number one... A wooden stick served as a barrier between participants. Victory was declared when one of the contestants managed to make the other one bend their knees. So you gotta like, mm. like you know, you gotta like struggle. So you pull the, you with, pull the stick until yes, a, a person's uh, knees until bend. their knees buckled, and oh. then you win. And uh, another version, you have to pull your opponent over a horizontal board between them, and the one who manages to do that first wins. That's for people who got nothing but a stick. Yeah. So you know what? When, next time my kids go, I'm bored. I have nothing to do. I'm going to teach them the stick-pulling game, and then I will have EMS on standby. You have to be uh, cautious how you describe that game yes, nowadays. That's, Otherwise, that, that is true. Child Protective they, Services will come. May get arrested. Anyway. You know what looks hard but fun? What? Uh, log rolling. I've always wanted to try mm. that. You need a special shoe for that. I don't think I that. could even get up onto the, onto, the, onto the log. You couldn't balance on the log, no. you think? No. It's round, and it's in the water. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you get on? Uh, they get on. They get on, and they, they spin so it. So is that what you do? Like, you have to spin it one way, and the other idiot's trying to spin it the You're other way? You're trying to get the other person off the log. So you got to, like, get just, okay. I don't know if log rolling would be working. At least if you fall, you're not going to get hurt. You're just falling into well, the water. Well, you can smash your face on a hard uh, piece of wood. Man, you don't know what's floating around in lakes these days. That's right. Maybe we wear shoes. Let's gonna, we're going to fast forward now, again, on our trip through history, looking at leisure activities mm. for people. Different leisure, fun times. And we're going to go to one of my favorite periods of history, Colonial America. Everybody loves Colonial America, right? Sure. Everyone has seen the Colonial Era kids uh, running along, hitting a wooden hoop with a stick and rolling it down the dirt road. You ever seen that? Uh, yeah. You can actually do that like when you go to some of these uh, living history places like Sturbridge Village or Colonial Williamsburg. Or yeah, whatever. it's called hoop rolling. Hoop rolling. And I've done it. And it's actually not as easy as it looks. It's not easy. No, you got to like hit this hit this hoop, and you got to run next to it. Do you hit the hoop? Like, how do you hit the? You, you, you hit it with a little stick on like the top of the hoop. Yeah, okay. or on the inside or whatever. Oh, on the inside. But then sometimes it'll hit a pebble or something, and then veer directions rapidly, and you got to chase after it. I see. Uh, it's not as easy as it looks. But they didn't have a, a lot of fun things to do in Colonial America. But pardon me, they had some fun stuff. They played cards. They played board games and all sorts of stuff. But one of the most prevalent things that colonial Americans, at least the adults, did for fun was drink. Mm -hmm. They drank a lot every single day. They thought that there were all sorts of health benefits associated with drinking alcohol so that they thought they were were getting healthier and stronger by drinking. Mm -hmm. So it was encouraged, uh, you know, for people to drink an awful lot. Americans, uh, they were obsessed with drinking and it became so prevalent that their tolerances were all sky high and it took a lot for them to get drunk. Um, 
just like Andre the Giant. You ever see that that documentary Andre the Giant? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, when he would, I think he drank like 127 beers once mm. in order to get. He, he couldn't get drunk. He was his tolerance. Was I always like, love the picture of uh, his hand holding the can of yes, beer. Yes, yes, it looks like a little thimble. Yes, in his hand, in his giant paw. I can only imagine what the ladies thought of him. Yeah. Anyway, so a typical colonial American drinking daily daily drinking schedule would look like this. Ready? Here's what you would do if you were a typical colonial American. Upon waking up, you'd drink between a half to one pint of rum. That's a lot of rum. That's uh, your, your breakfast rum. Yeah, breakfast rum. Rum was everywhere because the British actually had colonies in the Caribbean where they made the rum. So the stuff was cheap and it was therefore everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody had rum. Then you go to work in your fields for a while. Let's say you were a farmer, right? Yep. You're going to go work in your fields for a while. Uh, at lunchtime, you'd come back to your little hovel and you'd enjoy several glasses of whiskey with your food. Uh, I'm sure that working in the field becomes a lot more fun after you drink a bunch of whiskey. <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah, it's a good thing they didn't have actual like machinery, that, like a combine that you get caught in. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a problem. Yeah. So after, after you had a bunch of glasses of whiskey with your lunch, you'd go back to work and you stop every once in a while for some more whiskey, as it was a working man's drink. If it was in season, you might have hard cider instead. I'm not a big fan of the hard cider. It's okay. That's all right. You can't drink too many of them, though. Well, it's they just, could. You get, uh, you get the heartburn. The colonial Americans could drink a lot, man. And so you, so you work in the field all day. You've had your whiskey and your cider and your rum and everything else. Now you come to dinner time. So you'd, you'd often eat at a tavern, and you'd have several glasses of ale with your food, mm-hmm. which would be like beer. You're a big fan of... I like the Sam Adams ale. Do you? Yeah. Just the straight, regular... I'm not a real big ale fan, but mm-hmm. it's pretty good. It's not bad. Um, so then you, you would have that with your dinner. And then you'd go home. When you got home, you would have a nightcap of consisting of fortified wine... You ever have fortified wine? What the hell does that like mean? Like spiced wine, like mold. Oh, I thought you meant like fortified with like vitamins. No, that would like be mold, good. like mold, like a thick wine that's really alcoholic. No, never had that. It's like port, like port wine. Oh. You would have that. Like I've fortified. had port wine. Yes, you have. I've had boxed wine. I've had jug wine. I like the jug wine. That's my new thing now. <laughs> I go get a Carlo Rossi. <laughs> giant jug of wine for like $12. <laughs> There's no hangovers there. Nope, perfect. No. So anyway, so, so you're home, you have your nightcap of your fortified wine, and then maybe you would have sex with your wife, who probably looked a lot better, after literally a long day of drinking. It takes so, you a while to get get through the britches and the uh, the, the, uh, the hoops and the, the corsets and all that. Yeah. So they did this 365 days a year. That would be like a normal, that would not be out of the ordinary, that, that drinking schedule that I just gave you. Uh-huh. Uh, but there would be way more drinking on special occasions, such as weddings, births, religious festivals, and, of course, public executions, which everybody loved those back in the day. So... Uh, a lot of drinking taking place, probably not the best for you. Mm-hmm. Pro- and that may be part of the reason why people died when they were 30 back in the day. So I'm going to end up now. Uh, my last part of Colonial America, fun leisure activities. Um, a very popular fun leisure activity, which takes place till today, uh, was sex. Sex of all kinds. Sex was so popular that the authorities had to step in and regulate it in Colonial America. Really? Yes. Hmm. Outlawed were masturbation, fornication, uh-huh. adultery sodomy, buggery, and every other sexual practice. Buggery? Listen, every other sexual practice that inched off the line of straight sex is approved by the Bible. Now, the term sodomy uh, was applied to, obviously, homosexual behavior, mm-hmm. and the term buggery meant bestiality. So if you ever hear buggery... Oh, like uh, having fun with the, the sheep? Yes. Okay. So punishment for such serious sexual crimes could be severe. One Thomas Granger of Plymouth, a boy of 17, was indicted in 1642 for buggery with, quote... A mare, a cow, two goats, five sheep, two calves, and a turkey. Granger was hung. <laughs> the animals, for their part in the affair, were executed. Oh, according did to they the eat law. Them? No, Leviticus twenty fifteen. They must have burned them. Where it says, 
They were cast into a great and large pit that was digged for the purpose for them, and no use was made of any part of them. So oh. they, they were soiled. After uh, one Thomas Granger got done buggering <laughs> all of those animals. Oh my gosh! So a friend of mine was uh, a friend of mine had a sheep, and he and he was carrying the sheep under his arm, and he walked into his house, mm-hmm. and he said, and his wife was home, and he said, "I've been sleeping with this cow for twenty years." And the wife goes, "That's the sheep." She goes, "He goes, no, I was talking to the sheep." <laughs> so lots of fun things throughout colonial America that people did. I enjoyed the uh, the buggery part. My favorite. You know, favorite. it's funny. Uh, I wonder how they got. The, wait a minute. Yes. Before we go, continue, how did the authorities know? Did they interview the turkey and the, the calves? And they the, must have. How did, did somebody see him um, having sex? They with must all have those been animals <laughs> caught in the act <laughs> with all of them. Maybe it was an orgy. It was an animal orgy. It was an animal orgy. In the, you go in from the barn. One, one to another. But the but the thing, and that just makes a a, a broader point, and that is. The government has always tried to regulate and, and outlaw stuff when we know it does nothing, right? So people well, are having still... sex with animals is probably not the best thing. Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying it's right to do that. I'm just saying people are going to, regardless <laughs> of the law, <laughs> regardless of the law, people are going to do what the hell they want to do That's anyway. True. That's true. They don't care about the consequences. Because well, if they did, how... otherwise it wouldn't be any crime. Again, I don't understand how you can you can uh, outlaw certain types of sex because who, who's seeing this? That's right. Who's complaining? Listen. Whatever I do, when I get all lubed and and uh, slathered and Coat lathered up in the shower, peanut butter is my own business. Thank you. That's true. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what do you got? So we're at the uh, the halfway point of the show, per usual, on the Eon Project, and today we have a special surprise. I'm not telling you anything about what it is, Whoa. and it's just going to happen. Here we go. Babies Babylon, they looking for excuses Game for the buzzer who kicked it to the losers Lame as a brain, could be golly gee If you see a shrink, he'll charge you a fee If you see me, you see the fee is nothing Fee will be for patience, all that's no frontin' What is a party if it doesn't really rock? What is a poet, all balls, no what is a war if it doesn't have a general? What's Channel 9 if it doesn't have a senio? What is life if you don't have fun? What is a what if you ain't got a gun? What's Ali without Shaheed Muhammad? Nothing Compelka makes you vomit. What is a quest if the players ain't willing? What is a pence if you don't have a shilling? Excuse me if I'm chilling, hey, what say what? What's a fat man without food in his gut? What's a childbirth without the umbilical? What's United Parcel without the deliverer? What's Mama San without Papa San? What's Marshall out without Daniel's son? What's Rashid without Tanya Tamika? What's orange juice and doggy dog without Shaniqua? Nada, 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 not a damn thing. What's Duke Ellington without that swing? What's Alex Haley if he doesn't have roots? What's a weekend if you ain't knocking boots? What's a black nation without black unity? What is a child who doesn't know puberty? What is my label when I exit boom status? What's menage a trois or that is? What is sex when you have three people? What are laws if they ain't fair and equal? What's Clark Kent without a telephone booth? What is a liquor if it ain't 80 proof? What are the youth if they ain't rebelling? What's Ralph Grandin if he ain't yelling? At Ed Norton, what is Coke snorting? What is his position if there is no contorting? What is hip hop if it doesn't have violence? Chill for a minute, Dougie Fresh said silence. Oh, well, what'd you think of that? Um, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, uh, d- d- defies explanation. You can't even come to, to words. Nope. Oh. 
You ever heard of something called the Pauli Exclusion Principle? Is, a, is it about Pauli from Rocky? Paul, no, Pauli Shore. Oh, Pauli Shore. No, He's I, not I, allowed I, in I any never, parties. I never liked Pauli Shore. No, no, I, I never thought he was funny either. Never thought he was funny. Whatever happened to that guy, by the way? Uh, he became, everyone realized he wasn't funny. You know, every once in a while that happens. Somebody will become really famous for a while. Yep. And then uh, usually it's a comedian of some kind. And then everyone all of a sudden realizes that they're not funny anymore, like uh, Amy Schumer. Oh, never funny. Anyway. She steals people's jokes. Anyway. I heard that. So the Pauli exclusion principle is the quantum mechanical principle, which states that two or more identical fermions... What's a fermion? ...cannot occupy the same quantum state within a quantum system simultaneously. I think fermions were the hot toy for Christmas in like 2014. So let me let me relate that to something that uh, you may understand, and that was in the movie Time Cop. What are you trying to say? Remember in Time Cop... When uh, they, they were traveling. I love Time Cop. Uh, uh, what was that? Mia Sara, mm. who I had a huge crush on yes. since the Ferris Bueller days. That's right. Was in Time Cop. Gorgeous woman. And, uh, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme, the tremendous actor. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Belgian actor. You know what? He was in a lot of movies back in the day, man. More movies than I remember. Do you know what he made his very first screen appearance in? I, th- I think it was a gay porno, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was in the movie Breakin'. What? It was in the movie Breakin', and there was a scene where they were uh, they were doing an outdoor uh, Breakin', dance. not Breakin' to Electric Boogaloo. Nope, the original Breakin'. If you go, you can go look it up on YouTube. Okay. And he and he's uh, he's standing in the crowd as they're breakdancing. There's like a circle that forms. Yes. And Van Damme is on the perimeter of this crowd. How do you know this? It's it's well known. You didn't spot him there. Yeah. You know what? I remember he was in. A, he played the Russian bad guy in a movie called No Retreat, No Surrender. That's right. Uh, where he was like a kickboxer. That was another early screen uh, appearance. Yeah, but by he him. actually had like lines in that movie. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, you know, as a, as a world-famous actor, I can tell you that nothing counts until you have a line in the movie. Oh. Because then you start becoming eligible for um, the the union and then getting residuals and all this stuff. So anyway, the point of that is this this uh, Pauli exclusion principle. Oh, yeah, principle. going back to the time, time cop. That's right. So you couldn't, if you came face-to-face with your, uh, your double from a different time, mm-hmm. you couldn't be in the same spot at the same time. If you touched each other, you would disintegrate. But any, oh. but anyway, Who so thought of this, Polly, Polly Shore, <laughs> Mr. Polly, Polly, Polly Walnuts from so, the Sopranos. So let's fast forward to the the latest uh, show that I've been watching on Amazon Prime. Oh, it's called The Man in the High Castle. Ah, oh, that's the one. It's the alternative history one, correct? Oh, it's more than that, though. Oh, I haven't watched it. So it's more than that. Is it good? It is good. You're recommending it. And uh, so yeah, so I'll just give you a quick uh, a quick rundown of it. I don't want to, I won't ruin anything for you. Okay. So it's basically what would happen if. Uh, Germany and Japan had won World War II instead of the United ah, States. Ah, okay. And so it, it fast forwards to the early uh, to the sixties, early sixties, I believe. So the Germans and the Japanese are still in, are in charge of America. They're occupying America. Oh. <clears throat> so the Japanese has basically the west coast, uh, or I should say, west of the Rockies. Oh, they separated the country. And there's a neutral zone in the Rocky Mountains. Well, who owns the neutral zone? Uh, nobody. It's it's a it's a neutral. What happens if you line up in the neutral zone? Right. It's, it's a five yard penalty. You get a flag. Yep. And so east of that would be uh, the American Reich, they call it. And uh, so it's an alternative uh, history uh, show. But interestingly, they add a science fiction twist to it. Oh. Because as we know, going hearkening back to earlier programs when we talked about the Nazi bell. Yes, they were into some alternative technology. Alternative technologies, the esoteric, yes. things of that sort. Yes. So basically what they're trying to do is the uh, they've, they've discovered that there are alternative um, worlds, alternative universes. Okay. The Nazis have and okay. the Japanese. Okay. Um, and so the, the Nazis are trying to harness this power, and they're trying to figure out a way to cross into the alternative worlds to be able to conquer them as well. Why can't they just be happy with the world that we have? Well, they're Nazis. What the hell's wrong with those Nazis, dude? So Pains in the ass. I just I just finished the third season, which is the, the most recent season. There's three seasons? Yes. Oh, man, I got my work cut out for me. you got to get on it, man. Yeah. You're going to get on You know what? Sometimes you ever... Okay, 
every once in a while, you know, you talk to a friend. I don't have very many friends, but when I do talk to a friend and they recommend a show, I always look at how many shows it's into because mm-hmm. I don't. I have to start at the beginning, and if it's too much, I, I just it's too much. Okay. But it's three seasons. Uh, how many seasons? How many episodes are in ten, season? Ten. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Maybe I can get So it. anyway, they talk about that exclusion principle in this because when you're traveling from, you can only travel from one world to the other if your uh, your double or your your person did never either never never existed in the other world or how do had, you know had already passed away? How do you know? Well, as you're crossing, I don't I'm, I don't want to give away too much. People haven't heard. You, uh, is this like it. based on the multiverse theory where like every possibility is true someplace? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Reveal anymore. So, like, I'm married to porn star Katie Morgan in another life, well, in another, in another uh, universe. You'd be, you'd be more like uh, married to Peter North, more oh, than likely. I don't know. Mm. You'd be his manservant. Is he dead? I don't know. Manservant. All right, so I'm going to get into my strange things that people did for fun. Oh. And my. Why did you mention that? Is there like a plug to watch the to man watch in the, the high show? Castle? To watch the show. Is there actually a man in a high castle or is that a hyperbole? Uh, there is a man. Ooh. And uh, he uh, he lives uh, in random places. Is he in a high castle? Uh, that's pretty high. Is he just, is, or is it a low castle that has full of marijuana smoke? Well, that's the thing. It's not high in the uh, physical sense. Oh, I see. Okay. So I'm I'm going to jump all over. I don't have any chronological order. Why did you stay in order? Like no, I don't. I, I don't like, I like to. I like to, to jump around uh, the last couple hundred years. Okay. So I'm going to talk about something called incubated baby fairs. <laughs> have you heard of this? <laughs> no. So before the 20th century, uh, you know, premature babies had very little chance of survival. Obviously, oh, yes. medicine wasn't as it is today, right. which, by the way, is still very rudimentary. Yeah, especially in America. We have a really, really bad birth uh, mortality, infant mortality rate for some reason. People, people still, uh, anyway, I don't want to get into the medical. Uh, anyway, so that was, uh, that was set to change when a gentleman by the name of Dr. Martin Cooney. Coney? Coney. Coney, like Coney Island hot Co- dogs? Cooney or Coney. Oh. He, invented his, he invented an incubator, basically. Uh, but not many people would trust this machine because it was a newfangled thing. What do you throw your baby in there and turn it on? Like That's right. Almost? So to prevent the death of his invention and convince skeptics, he basically came up with a very strange and crazy solution. And that was he built an exhibit in which premature babies will be put on display at fairs and parks. What? Yes. The like, f- what? What? Well, hold on. <laughs> so the first exhibit was called a, or it was basically called a child hatchery. Oh, my God. Yep. It opened in Berlin in 1896. Oh, uh, again, those Germans. And then it soon moved to the United States. So Cooney's exhibit looked like a normal hospital, but he placed babies in wards and employed doctors and nurses to look after them. The only difference was that one side of the ward was glass. Oh. And people watched through it. It's like a zoo. Apparently, the the, baby zoo. The exhibit was very successful, and parents brought their premature babies there. They didn't have to to pay for medical care, which was obviously a plus. Oh, yes. Uh, the customers who went in to watch were charged up to 25 cents for the show. What, yeah, but what, what kind of show? I mean, what's happening? This is a baby sitting in a box. Well, you know, most of the babies survived, which was good, but they would walk in. They would uh, see these babies in there, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see pictures of it. They're like in these little boxes wow. and things. What's an incubator do? Is it like warm in there? Well, it keeps them nice and warm, uh, you know, filters the air. You know, I have I have many children. You do? Uh, one of my children, unfortunately, had, had uh, a low... Uh, temperature upon being born and had to be placed in an incubator. So oh, I'm familiar with it. That's not good. Um, but she's she turned out okay. She's fine she's now. A fighter. Oh yeah. She's fine. She's fine. Oh good. Yeah. I'm glad. That's a baby incubator farm uh, zoo. Uh, exactly. That's what people did for fun. Uh, that sounds t- horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they sold concessions. <laughs> and another thing that people in the 19th century did for fun because they were dumb. Yeah. They uh, they did something called ped- pedestrianism. Pedestrianism. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. It was basically competitive walking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it was a spectator sport, believe it or not. People used to watch other people walk. Apparently, it was born out of uh, boredom 
That is boredom. By people who migrated to cities after the Civil War, and they needed a new form of uh, entertainment. Really? Yes. They had these filled arenas. Competitors. They would... did it in. A, they do it. They did it in arenas. Yes. Yes. Get out of here. That's right. The competitors would walk around tracks almost nonstop from Monday to Saturday in front of spectators. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to see uh, Joe Bob Wilson, who's been walking since Thursday. <laughs> Sundays were excluded because public amusement was not allowed on that day. It was oh. the Lord's Day. So did they stop walking on Sunday? Well, they did. The oh. competitors walked to see who could cover the most distance during the race. How do they know? They're just walking around well, in a circle. I mean, I'm sure the track was was marked. Did you ever lie? You remember? You remember like when you were in high school and you used to have to run a mile? Or mm-hmm. you, like, well, we we talked about the, the military before, but did you ever lie about how many laps you did or how far you had rid, uh, run? I always wanted to. When we were doing the three mile PFT, <laughs> yes. right? And you get to the halfway point and have you, to turn around. Yes, I always turn around to, early. Yes. <laughs> I'd see the fast guy run by me, and I always wanted to turn and run with him. You know what? I remember a, a quick story, quick aside. I remember that w- one time I did I did see that happen. Uh, most of the time, everyone was too scared to do that because, you know, you, you would literally be killed if, if you got caught doing that. But one dude had to – I guess he had to go poo real bad. Mm. So he ran into the woods and pooed. Instead of continuing along the path, he right. just went back. Oh. And he got caught. He did. Yes. They didn't They didn't like that, did No. They? He, had to re- he had to do it like two more times. <laughs> You know what pissed me off more than anything? When we were at our uh, MOS school, which is the, jo- the job that you're going to be trained in, yep. there, was a, uh, there was a young uh, person in our class. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a chain smoker. Oh, yeah. At like 19 years old, a chain mm-hmm. smoker. Mm-hmm. The kid could run like the wind. Yeah. Bambi. Didn't affect him. Three miles in like 15 minutes. I'm right. like, how do you do that? There were some people. I, dude, I used to know a guy who used to run extremely fast all the time. He would smoke right before he ran. He would run with a dip in, and then he would smoke upon upon mm. uh, uh, finishing. There was a uh, a run I took part in. It was called the Turkey Trot, mm-hmm. and it was just a, did you have the trots? It was like a five k before. It was like around Thanksgiving time. Mm. Hence and, the name. Uh, so we we thought it'd be a good idea, six of us, to pound a bunch of beers beforehand. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> no, it worked, man. I never ran so fast in my life. Really? Yeah. How far was it? Uh, it was like a five k. Well, that, you know, back then miles? you could run. You could run drunk. You could, uh, you know. Uh, not to get too far into the weeds, but I'm, I remember, uh, you know, we used to qualify uh, rifle marksmanship once a year, and the common practice was to get loaded the night before because when you're hungover, mm. you're a better shot for some reason. Oh, I'd be distracted. No, it's because you don't, you don't really have a care. headache. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so obviously the pedestrianism sport was so popular that celebrities were known to visit the arenas during the event. I don't understand what they're watching. They're just watching somebody walking. Remember Chester A. Arthur? Yeah, he was a president. Yeah, he States. was. Yeah. He was a regular spectator at Chester the arena. Chester A. Arthur. You have to add that. He so they, Chester Arthur. Apparently, there were rivalries among the stars. Oh. Uh, people would earn a fortune. Really? Yes. Mordecai Three Finger Brown. <laughs> so apparently, there was uh, there was one guy. I, forget, I don't have his name. I forget his name. But apparently, he uh, there was a gym. There was like a, a scandal because they said that he was he was sucking on coca leaves as he was running oh, to make him go performance faster. Performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing lines of coke. Yep. So that was uh, pedestrianism. I've never heard of that. That's amazing that people would actually, you know, that's like people watching uh, car races, which mm-hmm. I never got that either. Mm. Like, yep, there they go. They're going around in circles. There's and... probably a lot of NASCAR fans that listen. And that's fine. Um, I'm not, I'm not, ba- I just, I'm not disparaging it no, either, but I just couldn't get into it. No. And you know, like, like 100,000 people show up for those oh, things. Oh, it's a huge event. I don't, I don't know how they you They put do these that. headphones on and you can hear the, the conversations. I with... mean, racing the car you, yourself probably would be a lot of fun. You know, that's, that's. You know, it's exciting. You're racing really fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Watching it, I don't know. I don't know about that. You don't know? No. So another uh, strange 19th century thing, because as I said, people then were dumb. Hmm. They did something called the Alexandra Limp. The Alexand- I know a girl named Alexandra. She doesn't listen to the show, so I can make fun of her. Does she have a limp? 
No, not that I know of. Oh, maybe she should. No, I like Alex. Hopefully she's listening. So apparently from the moment she got married to the Prince of Wales, Princess Alexandra of Denmark was beloved by the British public. Okay. Because we all know that the British love their royalty. Yes, they do. She apparently was the 19th century version of Princess Diana. Poor Princess Diana. I never thought Princess Diana was good looking. No. Everybody's like, oh, she's so beautiful. I'm like, no, she's I not. I like Prince Charles. She's got the Diana, she's got the uh, the 80s short cropped hairdo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never liked her. So she was a very popular woman. She was uh, uh, good with uh, people and charities Animals. and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So apparently after the birth of her third child in 1867, Alexandria, she contracted rheumatic fever. Oh, it's the death sentence back in the day. It left her with a limp. Oh. This gave birth to the Alexandra limp. I have a limp too, but for different reasons. It was a fad in which women in London and Edinburgh, Edinburgh. started limping intentionally. <laughs> How bored you got to be be like, that's it. I got a pimp limp now. That's the doodle limp. I got a pimp limp. Oh, look at me getting a limp yeah, on. Yeah, baby, I walk with my oh, legs like this. Yeah. Look at my cane. I got my uh, aqu- aquarium high shoes it's on. It's a pimp limp. Yeah. Yeah. So to make the, the limp more realistic, apparently women uh, bought mismatched shoes. Nice. And subsequently, shoemakers began making uneven shoes intentionally. Oh. And uh, the fact... I'm sure that everyone's back was all jacked up, too, as a result. And and, and they got canes, too. They, the females, they got canes to help oh, them I would love to get you know around. What? You know, you never question somebody with a cane, do you? Never uh, question. There was a funny... Uh, like uh, a hurricane? Seinfeld bit where they said, uh, uh, crutches is a funny story, cane is a sad story. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. I've been on crutches a few times. Yeah, me too, man. It's no fun. When I was younger. I used to be able to do some sick crutch tricks. Yeah, you know what? I remember distinctly. I think it was in sixth grade. You broke your leg twice in the same year. I did. Yeah. Once was after a, a uh, schoolyard fight where people went barreling into your leg. That's right. I remember that. I had the, f- the fat kid named Dickie. Dickie! And uh, he fell on top of me, snapped my leg in well, half. Well, when you think about it, you know, he's trying to go through life with the name Dickie. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. What do you think of the limp? Uh, I think limping on purpose is probably a stupid idea. People really had nothing else to do. I don't think today you could get away with that. People do it now. Oh, just like people wear uh, uh, glasses uh, with no prescription lens or no lenses at all. Uh, Oh, the fashion glasses. Fashion glasses. It's stupid. Yep. I I understand that people need glasses. Mm -hmm. Most of my family members need glasses. uh, But why would you want to wear them for no reason? Well, they're trying to make a fashion statement. Stupid. You like the the big black rimmed glasses? Horn rimmed. Horn. Well, you know, when the women wear the glasses, it's the naughty librarian look, which I'm a big fan of. I like the uh, the girl with the the big glasses and the baseball cap look. Yeah? I like that. A baseball? You know what I mean? A ball cap and glasses? N- never. Heard, I mean, I, I know what you're talking and about. And a flannel but shirt. You just like dudes? Jeans. It's okay. And cowboy boots? You can come out. It's fine. And, uh... You're just going into the weeds, man. Sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing. Multiple body parts. Strange things that people did. Headless portraits. Headless portraits. Yes, this started in the early uh, days of photography. A lot of photography bizarre. Photography was so bad. <laughs> a lot of bizarre trends happened. <laughs> what? Yes, the most the most strange of these was people like were into post mortem photography. Oh yeah. Take, so uh, uh, pictures of dead bodies and stuff. It's weird. It, uh, it obsessed the. It was people of the Victorian era were obsessed with this sort of thing. You know how I know that is from watching westerns. Remember how like they would display the bodies and you could take a picture with the dead body for mm-hmm. like five cents or something. Mm-hmm. So what people would do, uh, living people would make take headless portraits. And what they would do is, apparently, back in 1853, a prominent photographer, his name was Oscar Rayando, or something like that. Like a, it sounds like a hockey name. It's Rayando. It's Rajlander. I don't know where the hell he's from. But anyway, so he would take, he would mix art and uh, photography, mm-hmm. and he would combine the negatives of his pictures, oh, right? He would splice them. Almost like an early Photoshop. Yep. 
And for the lack of a better term, he would Photoshop people's heads off, <laughs> and he would put them in. Boy, sh- that sounds like fun. So you would, for for example, like you, it would be a, a picture of you, yep, standing with no head, uh-huh. but you'd have like a stick, like a staff, and then your head would be on the staff next to and you. And people wanted to do this. Why? That's what they did for fun. They liked to. They would just take a headless picture of themselves. Yes, they paid big money for this. That's so dumb. Why? What is wrong with people? People, money for that. People do strange stuff. People do it now. They take selfies and they put these filters on so they look different well, than they actually are. you know are. what? I have a lot. I have uh, not a lot of friends, like I said before, but I have some friends have no who friends. they love to post pictures of themselves all filtered. And then when you see that person in public, you go, yes. you don't look like that. No. Why are you sending out pictures that look with all filters You see crap? them in person. You're like, God, you're yeah. ugly. You're, you, are making a, you are making false advertisements. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a trickeration. Trickeration. Tricking people, dude. Yeah. You can't do that. What's, what's the point of it? Who are you fooling? Well, I don't know. You have to live with yourself. Well, you know what it is? It's the it's the uh, the phenomenon of social acceptance, right? And yes. attention gaining. Att- well, yes. It's for attention. Which sure. is what a lot of these uh, selfie uh, Facebook... You get the Facebook selfie people. You know, the selfies are going down in number, though, I have to say. I, I am glad. People, yeah. It's becoming out of fashion, which is good, because I hated that. You never took a lot of selfies. No, neither do you. Thank God you don't. Not a lot of pictures of me exist. Well, I have a puffy face, as you said well, earlier. Not, you know what's coming down? As, as the show progresses... Yeah. It's becoming less and less. Well, noticeable. I'm becoming more alert. Yes, and my, the blood flow is uh, going. Well, the methamphetamine that you just smoked is really helping. Blood flow. You ever do any uh, blood flow restriction training? No, and what that's that? not when you try to choke yourself. I was going to say when you try to choke yourself in the yeah, midst I, of self pleasure. Yeah, yeah, you've no. done that. No, no, no. It's this new thing <laughs> that I've uh, been doing at the gym, right? Oh, you go to the gym. Why I don't do. you tell everybody that you go to the gym? So they have these things. Hard they're on. called occlusion bands. Have you heard of this? Uh, no. Do no. You wrap it around your throat. No. Well, you could. <laughs> You might might not make it too far, but you get these bands and you put them on. Your, Look at Jay; he's bench pressing a mountain, and he's like, "Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you put them on your upper arm, uh-huh. right between your shoulder and your like bicep. resistance bands." Uh, no, no, it's 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 like a tourniquet, and you what? you restrict the blood flow. Why would you do that? So what you're doing is you're restricting, you're allowing blood to go into your arm, fresh blood, but you're not allowing the. Uh, the old blood to come out of your arm, so the blood pools in your arm, and, and it, it creates a more of a pump. That sounds exceedingly and it, dangerous. And it gives you, it gives you, it allows the muscles to, to retain more nutrients and gives them a. P- so please don't. Once tell you do it, you do take that. them off, and your arms are all puffed up. You look great. Yeah, but that's a temporary thing because then no, when, no, no. when the blood goes back into the body, no, it's not temporary. That is temporary. No, because what happens, like any normal bicep workout, you'd get a a, a, a yes. temporary pump, right? right? This, the pump is greater, but it allows for bigger muscle gains in the long run if you I continue that, to use it. I think it. that that sounds very dangerous. I would not recommend doing that. Well, you keep putting it around your neck. That's the problem. I wouldn't do that either, unless I was home by myself <laughs> <laughs> and bored. I'd have a bottle of jug wine. <laughs> jug wine. So let's fast forward to the, like a good idea at the, time. To the 1950s. <laughs> Where were you in the 50s? Uh, I was uh, not, not a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And you know what? They may even still have these. I don't know, possibly, mm. but um, they they originated in the fifties, and that was ant farms. Oh yeah, do you remember yeah. the ant farm? I, you know what? I always wanted one, but I always I never could figure out how do you get the ants. Like you get to buy the you, you buy the farm, right? I'm gonna tell you. Oh, oh so okay. the guy that invented it by the name in the fifties by the name of Milton Levine or Levine. Oh, Milton. I'm not sure. He was a Jewish man from mm-hmm. uh, Sheboygan. Sheboygan, Wisconsin. The idea came from an army of ants he saw at a picnic during a 4th of July celebration. Mm-hmm. So apparently Milton found ants captivating, as we all do. Yeah, ants are cool. And thought that if he put them in a transparent plastic uh, thingy... Oh, you could see the tunneling. To, to look like a farm, yeah, you could. people would enjoy observing them. So you could buy Uncle Milton's ant farm, Ooh. that's what it was called, uh, for a, like $1.98. 
That's a pretty good deal. Back in the day. That's a lot of money back then. And it was an instant hit, and thousands of people were ordering this thing. So the ants uh, Milton used were gathered by local ant rustlers. Oh, imagine that job. Do they have little lassos? Yep. And little hats? They'd go out there to capture these things for a penny each. You get one penny per ant that you caught. A penny an ant. That sounds like a lot of money. In order to complete your ant farm, you had to first buy the farm before you ordered any ants. Is that why they call it buying the farm? So you get the the farm, farm. you get a little uh, mail-in coupon thingy, Mm -hmm. and then uh, then the the ants would be delivered in a vial within a few days. I was going to say, how do they keep the ants alive during shipping? Well... They, they stay they stay pretty hard. They probably have laws about that now. You can't ship live animals yep. and insects. You got, a, you got a manual with it, a special sand, a liquid dropper, hmm. all kinds of stuff. What happens when the ants escape their confines and then attack you? Yeah, you don't, you want to make sure that it's uh, hermetically sealed. What? How do they live in there? Like, what kind of foods do you give them? Well, you know, they just uh, they just uh, walk around and eat sand. This whole thing doesn't sound <laughs> kosher at all. So apparently Milton <laughs> lived to be 97 years old. Oh. He sold 20 million ant farms in his lifetime. 20 million. So I hope he's got some money left over from he's that. He's dead. Well, he's dead. Hopefully, but his heirs have money. I wonder if old uh, the Levine family is the uh, what do they call it? the Rockefellers of ant farms. Apparently, I'm gonna start my own ant farm. Yeah, what are you gonna call it? Uh, uh, Mike's ant farm. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Max, Uncle Mike's ant farm. You gotta supply your own ants and sand and farm. and glass. <laughs> you send them an empty box. Basically, you get air. Fifty bucks. Here's another good one from the fifties because they were dumb then too. Hmm. Uranium sitting. <laughs> What? Yes. Uranium sitting. So in 1953, apparently, a bizarre fad known as uranium sitting, uh, sitting was born on a Texas dairy farm. Oh. That's right. What do they do? Apparently, the owner, has, by the na- a guy by the name of Jesse Reese, mm-hmm. claimed his wounded leg healed because he buried it in the soil of his farm, where a group of scientists had recently found traces of uranium. Okay. So he had uranium-laced soil what, on his wait, farm. What gave him the idea to go burying his leg in the soil? Well, he believed it had uh, uh, healing properties, healing powers. I think he's wrong. So it could, they, apparently he was marketing it that they, they could cure everything from colds to cancer. So if you run through Chernobyl, would it cl- cl- uh, clear your cold up? He sold all his cows, mm-hmm. and he turned it into uranium dirt house, is what he called it. <laughs> uranium dirt house. That sounds great. So people people would come there. there. They would bury their sick body parts under the soil. <laughs> oh, my God. What if your head was uh, diseased? Well, you had to put your head you in the sand. You put your head in the sand. <laughs> so apparently several of these uranium dirt houses cropped up in... Other parts of the state. The my private ch- parts need to be healed. I'm going to bury them. I'm going to bury my crotchal region in this <laughs> moist I'm going to squat dirt. on your moist soil. <laughs> the people paid $20 to do this. They $20? Add, yeah, they added trailer camps. So people would come and they'd live there. They had landing strips for people to fly in. Wow. That was crazy, huh? That sounds good. I wonder if it, what, the, what the success rate of healing was. So apparently, uh, back in 55, a guy named R.E. Height was who was his business partner. Hmm. Uh, and a guy named Walter Walter Miller opened a uranium dirt house in Cor- Corydon, Texas. Oh, a uh, competitor. They leased 1.5 tons of radioactive soil from Jesse. Oh, they bought they leased the soil. They did, and they made all these uh, healing uh, promises. But Nothing. turned out that they didn't. They, the soil wasn't even radioactive to begin with. Oh, uh, did you see these, the recent thing about the, the Himalayan salt caves? So there's places you can go that are like salt caves. And you yes. pay money, and you like hang around in there. They have a they have one locally. Yeah, and you like it's supposed to do some kind of benefit. I don't know it's what like it is. It's like you come out of like a piece of salted cod. It's <laughs> you're you're all briny. <laughs> come I don't know what the I don't know what the benefit is, but you can buy these salt lamps for your house. Yeah, and it supposedly is beneficial. The minerals supposedly, yeah. So as you can see, even in this current day and age, you can just make some sh- stuff up, and I'm almost we're, we're, there's still a lot of dumb people. <laughs> make some stuff up, and people will. That just follow things blindly. We should start doing that. We should come up with something stupid and then make a lot of money and then so we don't have to work anymore. I've been trying to think of something. We can think of it. The problem is I don't have the ambition to follow through with anything. If you have a great idea, 
uh, for a business mm. and you don't want to do it because you're lazy, send it to us <laughs> at the Eon Project. That's T H E E O N Project at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the Eon Project. You can also find us on Instagram. Our Instagram page is blowing up. Lots of new fans. Lots of them. Uh, people from all over the world love our page. I think Milton Berle is a fan. We put funny things on there, uh, mostly <laughs> funny things. Every once in a while, a serious thing, uh, but not really. So j- drop us a line. We'd like we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Whether you like the show, you love the show, you hate the show, whatever the whatever the whatever your opinion is, what, whatever us. the case may be. Yeah, you can also find us on iTunes. Please give it, give us a good rating. It helps us out immeasurably. We're still collecting uh, reviews for the free guitar. Yep, Hello. You know what? I don't know why people don't want a free custom guitar. There's something wrong with people. I from think up to th- from 303 Music, our friends at Old 303 Music. Don't people like free things? I, I love. I would if I could win this contest. I would have. I would have already done it. I would have already won. Why wouldn't you want a free guitar? Well, you know why? It takes work. It takes work. So just to reiterate, if you go to iTunes and you leave us a review, not just a rating, if you leave us a review uh, on iTunes, the, after we get to 50 reviews, we, uh, the, our friends at Old 303 Music in Bluffton, Indiana, will randomly select one of our reviewers to get a free mm-hmm. custom guitar uh, to your specifications. That's correct. Uh, worth a, a lot of money. Thousands upon thousands of dollars. Well, maybe not that much, well, but maybe it's not. worth some money. Uh, and, and why you wouldn't want a free guitar, I don't understand. That's right. So go to your iTunes, leave us a review. Okay. Anything else is to that add? All we wanted to, the, the, so today we talked about fun things that people did throughout history and weird fun things. I actually had fun with this program. Yeah, it was, you know, I enjoyed I, it. It was different. We like to do different things. We had a few laughs along the way. We did have a listener suggestion from a long time ago that we never followed up on. We were going to do a show about words. Oh, uh, yeah. What words mean. What are words? What are words? I don't know if we. If could you fill don't know whole, what that means, neither do I. If we can't fill a whole show with that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can fill a show. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, you know, get a hold of us. Drop us a line. Tell us how you feel. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the program, you got something fun to talk about. Drop us a line. We'd love to have you. And uh, what else? That's it. Thanks for coming today, Mike. Oh, hey, you're welcome. I appreciate it. All right. And uh, next week, I'll be sure to ice my face before you get here. I don't. You're very upset about so this. So it's not so puffy. You're, you're really. you really. Yeah, really it's my vain. early morning puff face. Really it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Just remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe it.